The Guardians of the Galaxy are back in James Gunn's finale to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How does it stack up? I'll tell you right now. This video is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com Dan for a special offer and stay tuned after this review for more info. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The embargo is down. If I'm a little bleary-eyed, it's because we drove 11 hours round trip just to see this movie and then get back here in time to do the review. I didn't want to do one of those hotel room reviews where it's kind of like ASMR, where I'm whisper talking. I wanted to get back in the studio because I have so much to talk about, so I apologize if I look a little bit tired, but... You go where the job takes you, and last night, the job took me to the press screening for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. One quick PSA before I get into anything regarding the movie. If you haven't seen the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special yet, which premiered on Disney Plus late last year, you really do need to watch it before you watch this movie. Because there are a couple of plot things that happened in that special that are referred to in this movie that if you haven't seen the special, you're going to be very confused by. And there's no real hand-holding as to some of the stuff that happens there. So just a quick thing, if you didn't make the time to watch that, I think it's about an hour long, less than an hour long, Watch that now before you go see Guardians 3, because then you'll really be up to speed. Believe it or not, it's been almost nine years since we were first introduced to Peter Quill and the Guardians of the Galaxy. They've had a long road to get to this point, and quite frankly, so has James Gunn, fired from the movie in 2018, rehired to make the movie in 2019, and now doing his last Marvel project before he really gets his hands dirty with the DC Universe over at Warner Brothers. And this movie finds the team establishing themselves as galaxy protectors on Nowhere. Peter Quill is still mourning the loss of his Gamora, as well as the return of another Timelines, who is not the same person that he knew and loved. Rocket, Drax, Mantis, Nebula, and Groot are, of course, Quill's main backup, as always, with Sean Gunn's Kraglin and Cosmo the Space Dog, voiced by Maria Bakalova, basically serving as Guardians in training. The first Guardians movie was seen by many people as being very pivotal in a turn in the MCU towards more humorous films. And there are a lot of films post-Guardians that have been accused of lifting that tone in order to replicate the critical and box office success of that first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Well, I think I can safely say that this is the least humorous Guardians film, which is going to make a lot of people happy. There are many people who are fed up with the quippy, jokey tone of the MCU. They want to see more serious films, and this movie is definitely more serious. As a matter of fact, it's full of not just drama, but what I would call a creeping darkness that seems to touch every character. Our happy-go-lucky heroes aren't really that happy anymore. Part of that is natural character development and where the story has taken them over the last almost decade. But part of it also feels that this movie is very different just on a conceptual level. And I'm not saying different necessarily is bad, but it is different. And I'm okay with darkness. I think that you can do tonal shifts in a franchise. I think that you can do tonal shifts inside of the same movie if you handle it well. But this movie isn't just dark. It is at times what I would call grim, so dour that it is often difficult for the movie to shift that tone between the darkness of some of these story elements and then the light humor banter stuff that we're used to from Guardians films. Everyone else who died in the past stayed dead. Not her. Why? Was it the magic cliff? I don't know. That's some freaking Infinity Stone scientist. And some dumbass Earth dude who met a girl, fell in love, 
that girl died and then came back a total dick. The tone is all over the place and the shifts aren't always very well massaged. You really do have to work on those tonal shifts in order for them to work. And there are often other times where I feel like the movie is trying to make me feel something, maybe even telling me how to feel, but it's just not quite connecting on some level. This is a very emotional film. It's a very emotionally resonant film. And a lot of those moments do work, but a lot of the other moments just feel odd, especially with how they're sequenced and presented in the movie. James Gunn obviously wanted to tell a story where most of our heroes are in an extremely dark place, but I think it adds so much gravity to the movie that it threatens to sink it. And it's really only our love for these characters and Gunn's ability to write them, his rapport with the cast to get those performances out of them, that keeps the entire movie from sinking under that weight. It really can't be overstated just how strong this ensemble cast is. It really elevated the first film from what I thought was a really clever script to inhabiting these characters. It carried it through to the second film, which I liked parts of and wasn't a big fan of other parts of. This movie for me, I'm the most split on, and it's largely because I do like these characters and I do like these actors, and when it works, it really, really does work, but the stuff that didn't work for me really also took me out of the film. Anyone who's seen the trailer knows that we are set to see some of the origin of Rocket. And we know that Rocket's origins are not pleasant, but something that I wasn't necessarily ready for is that this is not constrained to one sequence in the film. This is a recurring series of scenes that pretty much happened throughout the first two thirds of the movie. And so I was prepared for the unpleasantness of Rocket's origins. And I think that to a degree, you do have to see them to understand his character. But we keep going back and back and back and back. And for me, there's only so much that I can take before I just kind of get emotionally exhausted. I dipped my toe back into Twitter after I saw the movie to just sort of give my brief thoughts on the movie. And uh, that's a mistake that I won't replicate. And I was, as I believe they say, uh, torched in the QTs about my opinion on the film, and in particular, the animal cruelty that happens throughout this film. And full disclosure, my partner Mara is very sensitive to animal cruelty. I'm also very sensitive to animal cruelty. And it's not just an extra sensitivity that made parts of this movie disturbing. A lot of people thought that I was stupid to walk into a movie and not expect to see some degree of that element in the plot because we know that it deals with Rocket, and I was. I was absolutely prepared for that emotionally, just I understood the stakes of the story that was being told here. It's the degree and the amount that's presented in this movie that I found excessive. And listen, if you don't find depictions of it to CG animals or to animals at all disturbing to you at all, well, th that's great for you. Everybody has different things that get to them emotionally. This was one for me that did get to me. And James Gunn is a provocateur. That's what he has always been. It's kind of what got him in trouble and got him briefly fired off of this movie in the first place. But even going back to his other films, he is looking to provoke a strong reaction from an audience, and that's exactly what he does in this movie. In my opinion, he went too far. I think he tried to make things so tragic and so sad that it turned me off to a large section of the movie. And I'm going to be interested to see 
where certain fans land on this film in general and with this element specifically. I would say to parents a warning. First of all, this movie has the MCU's first on-screen unbleeped F-bomb, and some people may not be prepared for that. But also, with these scenes of animal peril, and these are very cute animals. I mean, little baby rocket is cute. There's an otter. There's some other animals, etc. I would try to educate myself if you have kids younger than, I would say, even 10 years old, as far as finding out what those scenes entail, and also, of course, knowing your own child to know how they handle things like this, because I could see this being very disturbing to certain younger audiences, and some people say, well, you know, that's not so bad that kids can be challenged by movies that they watch, and you're right, it's not necessarily so bad for some kids. Parents know their kids better than anybody else. Yes, Guardians Volume 3 is rated PG-13. They really push the envelope on this rating, and I would say that that is an advisory rating more than almost any other of the MCU films that should be paid attention to, because there are things in this movie that I think could potentially disturb younger audiences. I mean, look, I'm a 40-year-old man, and it disturbed me, so parents, maybe take that extra step just to know what you're getting yourself into. Now, what kind of pulls things back from the abyss for me in many ways is that James Gunn obviously loves these characters. So this is not what I would call an exploitation piece by any means. There's a lot done with the relationships between these characters that does work, and there are a lot of emotional beats that do land. Mantis and Drax have had a great developing rapport, and Drax actually gets more to do in this movie than just laugh and yell, which is great. And you have Dave Bautista, who's a great actor. Rocket's story, while disturbing in many parts to me, is also very touching, and it's obvious that he's James Gunn's favorite character. James Gunn has made no secret of that. And the movie does work in a lot of ways, but it also just feels messy. It feels less focused than in the other two films there's a lot of different things that it's trying to do and try to pack into this runtime it runs about two and a half hours long and even still there's some characters like Groot poor Groot is kind of lost in the mix altogether I mean he and Rocket had a very foundational relationship in the first Guardians film that's barely addressed in this movie so I think even with all of the emotional work that's being done on these characters there are still some original Guardians characters that kind of get the short end of the stick no pun intended in this film Gamora's storyline, for example, feels like what it is, which is a fragment of a story from a different movie that James Gunn didn't write. I think that killing Gamora benefited Infinity War, but hurt the Guardians franchise, and her relationships and interactions in this movie feel very one-note, as if James Gunn doesn't quite know what to do with her character. If this weren't his last Guardians movie, if he were going to keep making them, I suspect that maybe Gamora wouldn't be in this one at all, that they would develop her a little bit more either in other movies or shows or series or whatever, and that they would allow her a little bit more time to come back from this crazy experience that was set up through Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. But I feel like it was almost a requirement, like it would feel wrong if Zoe Saldana wasn't there, so they included her, but it just doesn't quite work for me. I'd be curious to see what her arc would have been if she hadn't been literally sacrificed for Infinity War because Gunn has obviously been given free reign over the arcs for characters like Mantis and Nebula, and I think that they're integrated into this story much more strongly. Necessarily integrated into this movie is the villain, the High Evolutionary, who's played by Chikuri Iwuji. The High Evolutionary is the person who made Rocket who he is in search of building a perfect society. 
We hate the high evolutionary because he hurt Rocket and because he hurts animals. It's one of the easiest reasons to hate a bad guy in real life or on screen. But really, ultimately for me, he wasn't much more than a yelly bad guy who wanted to take over, if not our world, definitely take over a world. And I wish that there had been more dimension given to his character other than that, oh, we hate this guy. Also introduced in the film is Adam Warlock. Well, not really introduced, he literally just kind of flies into the movie, and as a character in this movie, he's okay. He sort of shows up when it's convenient to the plot. Will Poulter is good, he gets some laughs, but this is not the Adam Warlock if you are a fan of the comic books that you know and love, and if this is a character that you've been waiting to see on screen for a very long time, I think you need to drastically lower your expectations, because if he weren't named Adam Warlock as a character, I would say like, oh, well, okay, he's basically kind of a new, dumb comic relief, but you saddle onto that the expectation of being a character who people love for many years in the comics, I think he's an Adam Warlock in name only. He's a wino, not a drunk, he's, anyway. Everybody comes to these movies with a different base knowledge and different expectations, but I do think that the people that are really anticipating Adam Warlock stuff in this movie both through its actual content and amount of screen time, I don't necessarily think you're gonna get what you're looking for here. This movie's largely been hyped on the fact that this is a goodbye to the Guardians of the Galaxy, and while it does provide closure in many ways, I would frame this more as James Gunn's goodbye to the Guardians of the Galaxy. We get a resolution on several things, to be sure, but did you really think that a cinematic universe this sprawling was going to say goodbye to all of these characters forever? By the time the end credits are done, we're promised the return of at least one of them. And if you're going in with the expectation that this is going to be a final or finale type movie, again, I would adjust those expectations because this is much more, as you can tell from the screenplay, James Gunn bidding an emotional farewell to these characters than something that's meant for the audience to say goodbye to all or most of them. I'm really very mixed on this movie. Some stuff worked, some stuff didn't, and a lot of it was just unpleasant. And I want to be very clear, dark doesn't equal unpleasant to me. Serious doesn't equal unpleasant to me. I like dark movies. I like serious movies. I think MCU movies can be dark. I think MCU movies can be serious. It's really about this specific movie and the choices that were made creatively. I found a lot of this movie, frankly, off-putting and unnecessarily tragic and cruel. Maybe James Gunn felt that this was the price that we as an audience had to pay to get to his resolution, that the terrible things that happened to the characters in this film were the river of shit that we had to crawl through Andy Dufresne style in order to come out the other side. Some audience members will agree. I think that perhaps he went a little too far. But again, that's something that's been lobbed at James Gunn forever, that maybe he went just a little too far. And honestly, if the other elements of the movie had been fresher, it might have mitigated that a little bit, but I didn't find the high evolutionary to be that strong of a villain, nor the overall conflict to really be that compelling. This is really based on what the movie does with these specific characters, and even then, I feel like Marvel perhaps might have pushed back on how extreme even James Gunn wanted to go, because the real boss at the end of the day is the almighty dollar. Overall, while I didn't hate the movie, I have to admit I'm somewhat disappointed by it, and it's not one of my favorite MCU films. It wasn't a slam dunk for me, and I don't particularly look forward to re-watching it 
anytime soon. And there have been movies, most recently Black Panther Wakanda Forever, that has grief and tragedy throughout that film, and yet I still enjoyed it on rewatch and was far more anxious to see it again than I am anxious to see this one again. I understand that a lot of it is personal to me, but that's what happens when you're a film critic. You express the opinions on a movie that are personal to you. That's the name of the game. This will likely be my least rewatched Guardian film. As a matter of fact, I can almost guarantee it, and probably one of my least rewatched MCU films in general. And I think Marvel is probably hoping, in the interest of what they're going through right now and the transitional period that's happening with them, that people like me are in the minority, because I know that the hope is going to be that this is a slam-bang summer hit. In tone, I don't quite think it's there. In box office and performance, well, we'll find out very soon. So those are my complicated and rather mixed thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. What do you think? Are you looking forward to seeing it in theaters? Let me know down in the comments below. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor for this video, Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. We're getting into the summer season. Maybe it's that time where you want to feel more confident, like you're living your best life, that you're your best self. I've been talking about AG1 on the channel for a while, and it's because I think it's something that can help you do that. It's an addition to my daily routine when I make my breakfast shake. I throw AG1 there every day, and it makes me feel like I'm covering my nutritional bases right off the bat, starting my day off right. It's helped me with improved digestion and gut health, which has been a big focus for me over the last several months. But it's also good to know that I'm giving my body so many things that it needs. It's designed to help you live easier, live better, without having to change a lot about your routine, which is the hardest thing about making changes in your life. It's one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day, and each scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients delivered to me every month, so it's been super easy to make this a daily habit. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com Dan. That's athleticgreens.com Dan, D-A-N, to check it out. Thanks to Athletic Greens for sponsoring this video and thank you for watching. And as more people see this film and as we build up to its release next week, just something else to keep in mind. This isn't war. Everybody likes movies or doesn't like movies, and we all like to share our opinions. That's one of the reasons that you're watching this channel. Let's have fun out there and keep all of these things in perspective. Thank you so much for watching this video. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.